Hey everyone, Ryan Smith here. Hope you guys are doing well. Welcome to the Threadcast. Um, yeah, so we are in the midst of just diving into what it means to be, to work at being um, well balanced, right? Um, to be better human beings. And we're using this triangle to talk through it, you know, those three areas that we all have in our lives, the, the self, the tribe, and the world. And the idea that, um, that all three, whether we, we, whether we are Christian, atheist, or agnostics, I think all three of these aspects exist. And now, you know, it's our contention that the idea that you can find them in Scripture as well, you can see that Jesus was a part of these. Um, but at the same time, if you're not a believer, right, this is something that that I think even if you focus on these things, they can make you a better human being because they, they, they already are there, right, whether you believe in God or not. Um, so it's kind of the approach we're doing is that this can make you a better person or it can bring you closer to God um, wherever you find yourself. And there's no bait and switch in this conversation as well. It's not like, oh, we're going to try to get you to talk through this and then all of a sudden, uh, see, you believe in Jesus now. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what this is about. This is just the idea of how to share, how to improve your life, and then how to uh, maybe share this with others, You know, this idea of, of helping them work through the triangle as well. So we challenge everybody to look at um, self-tribe and world, kind of look through some questions. Um, where, which which part of the triangle do you need to work on? And then uh, we have these four words that we've connected with <clears throat> um, these these three words. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and so we've been talking through self, and we're in tribe now. And we talked about connection last time, and today. We want to talk about conversation, right? And and just conversation at its basic definition is the idea it's communication, right? All forms of communication. So um, we're obviously not talking about all forms, but we want to focus in on the idea of what does it mean to have conversation or communication um, in a tribe, in a group of people, in a people that know you. Um, but then also we're going to show that that um, this is going to be the conversation aspect can actually go into the world or just when you're with other people as well. But um, really talking about the idea of conversation and um, inside a tribe. But we want to kind of add a nuance to conversation that when you hear conversation, it's just not the 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 passing by, you know, yib-yab kind of thing. Is yib-yab even a word? I, I don't think I made that up. Um, <laughs> but... Um, we want you to think about this idea called intentional conversation. You know, this idea that, that you're going to have conversation um, that is m- a- at a deeper level than just talking about the, the hogs, or the razorbacks, or the weather, or whatever it might be. But but there's this idea that you go deeper into it, right? And um, in our gathering, we talked about, you know, part aspects or ingredients of intentional conversation where you know that you go into it open-minded right that you're not trying to be the persuader in all the conversation but you're willing to to hear you're willing to learn you're willing to listen and really hear um what they have to say not just waiting for your next uh jab at them through the, the debate and then also this idea of empathy is is expressed as well but um this idea of intentional conversation what does it look like how do you how do you approach it um i want to start um, by reading, I think, which is a familiar verse to some of you. Um, you'll, you'll recognize it when I get to it, but it's in Deuteronomy, which I know all of you read Deuteronomy on a regular basis. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, it's, there's an introduction into this one segment. I'll, I'm going to read the introduction, and then we'll kind of get into the meat. 
says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children, after them, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all these decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Now, you need to understand, Deuteronomy laid out these laws for the Israelite, these people that were following God. Uh, they're getting ready to, to cross over into the promised land and um, he gave him these laws, things to live by. He says, these are the commands, these are the decrees I want you, but I give them to you, not so that you will have this list of do's and don'ts and that you'll know everything that you're supposed to do, um, but I give them to you so that you may enjoy long life. Now, I know a lot of people who have been presented with, with Christianity or the Bible in a way that it's not about enjoyment. It's not about the idea of life being spectacular, but more sometimes it's more conflicting or condescending, if you will. But God says in Deuteronomy, I give these so that you can, I, I want you to live your best life, your best life. You know, some people say, I'll do me, you do you kind of deal. This is, you do God and you'll do great kind of stuff, you know. And so it goes on in verse 3, Hear Israel, and be careful to obey that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. So he's laid this out. He says, okay, you know, all these, these laws, I give them to you so you enjoy life. And then in verse 4, we get a statement. This, and if, you, if you're familiar with a Jewish heritage, this is called the Shema. And for those that don't know what the Shema is, the, you will recognize these words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So he sums that up, right? You know, some of you guys recognize, ooh, that kind of sounds like the greatest commands, right? You know, and it is. You know, it kind of, you know, he lays out all these laws and then even here he's like, let me sum it up for you. Love the God, love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, right? Um, and then he says, "I give these commandments that I give. I give these commandments so that they can be on your hearts." And then listen to this. This is the next part. It's kind of interesting. He says, "Impress them on your children." Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie these symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, the very diehard Jewish um, sect of people, um, they took this literally. They had these things called phylacteries, and they're these little boxes, of these little wooden boxes that had a long string on them. And they would literally either put prayer requests or put scriptures that they're wanting to memorize in these little boxes. And then they'd place that box on the front of their forehead and then tie it around their head and wear those. You know, that's what they meant to bind them on your foreheads. And they would literally write scriptures on the door frames of their houses. Now, um, I don't want to dog that. I don't want to take away from that. But I want to suggest to you that there's something more in this passage than taking this literally, that you have these these commands written literally in a box and that you literally have them on your doorframe, right? This isn't what it's about. It says, it says impressing is on your children, right? When you sit at home, when you walk, walk around the road, when you lie down, when you get up. You know, I, to me, 
This isn't the idea that you're quoting scripture everywhere you go. You're just a freak if you do that, right? I mean, if you're just kind of mumbling passages, love the Lord God, I heart my heart, love the Lord God, love the Lord That's not living life to the fullest. You're not enjoying a long life and doing that. What I think he's wanting them to do is that hear these commands, hear my word, and then always think about them. Figure out how they work together with life, how life and God go hand in hand, that 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 um, living and theology are never meant to be separated or meant to be something that is above, but this idea that you are to always, always, always find ways to live out God's word. So why do I throw out this passage to you? I think this is the precursor to intentional conversation, right? That when you are walking down the road with your children or your family, your friends, when you're eating, when you're doing all these things and you have God's commands on your heart and in your head, that those intentional conversations just naturally flow out, right? That, that this is the precursor to the idea of having intentional conversation, that when you are talking with others, that you don't just stay on the surface level, you don't stay in the shallow end, but you allow yourself to incorporate God. And I don't think, you know, this idea, we've talked about this before, that you can talk about God and you can talk about Bible without using the word God or using, quoting scripture literally, right? That you can talk about those things without using those words, but still sharing the message and still sharing God's love. And so, this idea that of... of um Intentional conversation doesn't just stop, you know, in, in Deuteronomy, right? I think this is the, like I said, the precursor to um, intentional conversation. And who, of course, is the best, um, best at intentional conversation? But Jesus Himself, right? Um, Jesus always laid a a foundation or a, a blueprint, if you will, on on how to live life. And so I picked out um, this story where Jesus goes to the well in Samaria, and you might have heard it, the woman at the well. And I want to just kind of read through this. And I don't think this is like, I don't want to kind of, you know, um, do spiritual gymnastics here to make make what I want to say fit necessarily. So I don't think that, that when they wrote this story, that intentional conversation was the only thing in their minds. But I want to show that I think that there's a great example here of what it means to have intentional conversation. And I just want to point out things. Um, that uh, maybe they happen in order, maybe they don't, but they're, I think they're, they're, they're crucial to have being someone who is focused on intentional conversation. So let's start off reading and we'll just kind of work through it. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had, had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Getting a little jealous, are they? Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples, so he left Judea went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now, here's where it gets interesting. So he's sitting at the well. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, the first thing we see here is this well would have been in the center of town or close, you know, it would have been in a thoroughfare where people are coming and going and, and, you know, the women know that this is a place. And we identified this in our gathering this morning as we called it a liminal space or a, um, a neutral space, right? That he went to an intentional spot, uh, knowing 
that he had the opportunity to for conversation. Now, some people have said that you know he knew that she was going to be specifically there. I don't know that he's Jesus, right? He absolutely could have. Um, either way, I I lean more towards that. Um, he's always been been about intentional conversation, but I who knows? I'm not going to take that away from him. But he the, the first thing is that he goes to a a public place. Now, here's the other thing. Intentional conversation. We talked about it with tribe, right? We talked about that this is something you're going to do with people that are close to you, people, you know, whether it's a small group, you know, you're at your house or whatever it might be. But I want you to think about, I want you to expand the idea of intentional conversation and tribe. That intentional conversation can happen anywhere. That it doesn't have to be in a designated spot. It doesn't mean I have to go to a church or it doesn't mean I have to go to a classroom or it doesn't mean I have to go you know, to the confessional or whatever it might be. And those aren't bad places to have intentional conversations, right? But what if you could have intentional conversation everywhere? Okay, moving on. Verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, you guys have probably heard all the the theology behind all that conversation, but I simply want to show you that he engaged her, right? That he engaged the conversation. He began this conversation. Um, And sometimes that's just all it takes, right? you got to have the courage to... To say what to to say hello right to 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 ask for something to, to know that you want to go into it and so he engages and she kind of talks back a little bit and then he says Jesus answered her if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water sir the woman said you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep where can you get this living water now. Here's what I think is so cool about God. Here's what I think is so cool about Jesus, right? Is that they take the mundane and make them holy, intentional conversations or intentional things, right? You know, think about God. You know, the two two main um, acts that a church do or that, you know, that we call the, the um, is baptism and communion, right? So baptism, really, it's, it's a bath. Everybody takes a bath. And so he took the act of taking a bath and made something holy out of it. He made it something that it's a holy event, but that could be so over our heads. But he and he could have done that event in any way possible. He could have done it however he wanted to, but he chose something that everybody does, takes a bath to symbolize us being free, right? And then he also took eating a meal. Right and and made it holy and turned it into the Lord's Supper into something communion. So the two great acts that we do as church people, the Lord's Supper and baptism, are mundane things just on their own. Right, um, that I can be dunked in water and not be baptized. Right, that you know that that type of stuff that's going on here. And in this conversation, he's at a well and he starts talking about water. And the lady's like, "Dude, you don't. You're going to give me living water. You don't even have. You don't even have a bucket. How are you going to get the water? How are you going to get water from this well up here and give it to me? Right? So he's talking about the mundane, and that's all she can understand. He's like, "Oh no, 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 no. Oh, you're about to hear this. This living water. <laughs> it's not really water. Yeah, let me. And he goes on to share it. So he so he takes 
something that is normal in life and turns it into something intentional, right? And just think about how many things do you do in a day or how many things are you around? How many could you turn into an intentional conversation, right? Um, man, I, I love that. It's almost like a game for me, just the idea of being able to to think about all the different ways you can talk about God through just all of creation. And so verse 12, Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? Has it also his sons and his livestock? So you still can't grasp what he's saying. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He's pointing to this the mundane water. But then he says, But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And that right there is where he takes the mundane and dives a little deeper. He says, Oh no, no, no. This water that you know, you <laughs> you're just gonna be thirsty again, right? You're gonna come back to this well tomorrow just because you're thirsty. You have to do it day in, day out. But when I give you water, and you know, I just used air quotes there, something spectacular is gonna happen in your life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She's like, I'm not sure what you're talking about, but I want it. I'm, I want to buy it. I want to be a part of it. Give it, give it, give it, right? So she's he's brought her into this conversation. And then in verse 16, he told her, go call your husband and come back. Uh, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Now, I want to concede here that you know what Jesus just did was a Jesus thing, right? Um, that he <laughs> he knew her situation, right? And I think that's a divine thing that happens there. But, but, he had the cojones <laughs> to go there, right? How many times do we have the intuition about somebody that they're not telling us the truth or they're not quite telling you know the whole story or they're holding back and we don't go there? Maybe it's fear. Maybe we don't want to offend them, whatever it is. But there is this point where Jesus is not afraid to go there. And I think that's the idea of intentional conversation. Intentional conversation is that whole idea that we spur one another uh, one another on in love. And spurring is not an act uh, that is that feels good at times, right? Intentional conversation can be hard. But it's not meant to be abusive right he doesn't abuse the woman here he just tells her the truth and says there's something more that you can have than beyond this and so he takes that conversation deeper she says you know what i trust you and then i the rest of the story i'll encourage you to read it that he finally just lays down the laws not in like in a bad way he lays down you know Hey, I'm I'm the one. I'm the Messiah. You're you know I'm the one you've been waiting for. This is what it's all about. And he brings home the message, right? And that's you know the idea is that once we've got into this intentional conversation, that we can speak deeply about these matters and share our faith, and but then also just share 
these ideals on how to be better people. And so for me, this is um, intentional conversation, right? Um, that you see this in Jesus and that we are challenged to do this. Now, the other thing I want to bring up, bring about real quick is, you know, Common Thread has always wanted to be a place where we could have conversations with people who are struggling with their faith. The big word nowadays is the idea of deconstruction, that people are deconstructing their faith. People who have had faith, but um, for different reasons, whether they've had a loss or anger or they've been hurt or whatever it might be, um, the pillars that they once held to don't don't make sense anymore. And so they start deconstructing it. And these people need intentional conversation more than anyone else. So I simply want to just encourage you to look for those people that when you have, when you find out um, that this is someone who's deconstructing their faith, you know, just some key things to think about when you're, when you're having this type of conversation is that you're there to listen. You're there to hear them. You're there to, to be a safe place for them to ask questions and to make statements. And you need to realize that the statement that they're making or the question they're asking probably is not really what is at the core of what they are wrestling with. Because so many times, either we know, and sometimes we don't we don't know, that when we say something, there's actually something at a deeper level behind it. So it's our job to hear and to listen and not be offended by what they say but to help them to dive into deeper what is that core message that they're wrestling with. The last thing I want to say that when you're having these types of conversation is that you have permission to say, I don't know. Right? So many times we get into these conversations, we feel like we have to have the answers and we need to defend God or we need to do all this right and we need to set them straight, whatever it is. And we have to realize that our faith is built up over years and years and deconstruction happens over time. And so you're not going to give this one answer that's going to solve it all and put this nice, neat, pretty bow on it. And sometimes you say, that's a good question. Let's talk more about it. Right? And so those are just some thoughts on conversation and, and the challenge for you to think through what it means to have intentional conversation in your life. And so you have homework this week or whenever you hear this is that to I want to challenge you that over the next seven days that you have an intentional conversation. Now, you might already have someone in mind that that face might be popping in your head right this second. And so you might need to figure out how you're going to engage this conversation. Or it just might be that you're going to look for somebody in just the randomness mundane of life and look for an opportunity to have an intentional conversation. Now, as I say that, I want you to hear, intentional conversation doesn't mean that you always have to turn it towards God or to salvation or anything like that. This isn't like a, a bait-and-switch kind of thing. Sometimes, remember, this is about how to have life and to enjoy life. There's so many people out there who just have lost what it means to enjoy life. And so if you can just have a little intentional conversation with them just to go a little deeper than what they've been taught to do with most people, you can bless their life and help them, right? You know, this is this isn't we're not trying to save everybody at once. And maybe it's not your job to do that. Maybe it's your job to open some doors for them to think through things that they've never thought through before. So that's the challenge um, to have an intentional conversation this week, to live out the triangle. Um, for you yourself, I encourage you um, to find your ask yourself um, what part of the triangle are you, do you need to wrestle with right now and, and to be doing that as well. If you have questions or need further help with any of that, please feel free to contact us. Contact me 
And we'd love to talk deeper with you about this. May you be someone who's not afraid to go there. May you be someone who's willing to listen, to hear, and also to speak. Hope you have a great day. Grace and peace.